we didn't necessarily know how today was going to work with like engaging in the cups and then coming in here and then we've got something else that we're going to do and how, how we were going to facilitate it. So we thought that this was kind of best, almost like an intermission in a sense, because we have something else that we're going to be engaging in in the, in the kitchen in a, after we're done. But I kind of wanted to take tonight as we're sent in through this whole week and especially tomorrow, just take some time to just speak on Pesach as a whole. Uh, Pesach as a whole, unleavened bread as a whole, first fruits as a whole, and then also what we're about to walk into, which is the, well, tonight, officially about an hour ago, we just counted day one of counting of the Omer. So it's kind of three spring feasts are rolled up all right now. And, you know, it would, I would love to be able to have three weeks, one week we do this, you know, so it's just kind of, bam, we've got a, you know, we've got a lot, we've got to cover. And so I just felt like we could take tonight to be able to talk about all of it so that we are fully aware of what we're being sent into since tonight is our night of being able to engage in, in Pesach and unleavened bread and first fruits. So I'm going to try um, to just quickly, I don't want to, I don't, not necessarily quickly. I want to try my hardest to one of the things that happened on uh, Passover night was Wednesday night, I got to tell the story, essentially, because my kids came to the table with some very foundational questions, and it forced me in a position to have to retell the story, which ended up being super powerful, because yeah. isn't that what that night is for? Yeah. Teach my generations. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy as parents, or for me anyways, to think everything I've said is known, or everything I've taught on yeah. is boring or I don't I wouldn't say that again or we've already done that or I've already said that and I don't want to walk forward thinking that we all know the same thing so I'm just want to take kind of tonight to just recap in a way hopefully quickly some of the most foundational things of what all of this is and then we'll go forward from there okay so um basically you have which I've, I've done this with a whiteboard before, but every feast that we engage in arcs with something else. So everything that happens over here in the old covenant arcs with the renewed covenant. So there's like a pairing, okay? So there's always kind of a parallel, I apologize. I forgot to take him out so he was freaking out during communion. <laughs> um, so, Basically, what I want to do is I just want to kind of run through the spring feast. We've got Passover, we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and we have First Fruits. Okay, in the timeline, I want us to understand what that means. Passover, this was a powerful question Sean actually asked. He said, was there a sacrificial system prior to Passover? And I was like... <laughs> what did you just say now at the same time they're asking those kind of questions and they're also asking so is Yeshua in this timeline meaning they didn't have any recollection of where Joshua and Caleb were compared to Yeshua compared to Paul it's like they couldn't they didn't know Abraham versus Eber they couldn't figure out what was before and so I kind of just took the whole night to go through a timeline of the entire Bible um <laughs> And so I want I want to get that simplistic so that everyone in this room, including the next generation, is completely clear on what it is that we're doing. So there was no sacrificial system. There was no sacrifice uh, prior to Passover. It is the first time that he says, I want you to do this, that had to do with um, blood in this way. There are patterns that you're going to see prior, but this is the first time that it was when he said, I want your community to honor this, right? He basically says, this is what you're going to do. And then after you do it, I want your community to do this forever so that you remember what I've done. Does that make sense? Yeah. The reason why I say that is because I want us to understand that the story of Abraham and Isaac, okay? So we all know Abraham and Isaac is prior to this Passover story right? Abraham and Isaac is, happens at the exact same time as Passover. 
So there are patterns in the scripture that you're going to begin to see. A father has to sacrifice his son. Mm -hmm. What takes the place of Isaac at the last minute out of a thorn bush? Mm -hmm. It happened in the month of Nisan. Mm -hmm. So there are patterns where there is this pictorial picture in the scripture of what's to come. So the Israelites knew these things. So it wasn't out of the blue when he says, do this, because they knew about a lamb, right? Just like with Yeshua, they knew about the thorn bush. Yeah. You, you, so you can see these patterns. But when, when Passover happens, you basically have the story of Passover, which is where they are stuck in bondage. And Yahweh is saying, I need these people to know that I am God. And this will be the final straw because he keeps changing his mind. And apparently everything that I've done isn't doing it. So now I am going to come after the firstborn everywhere. That include that includes Hebrews, that includes Egyptians, that includes livestock. I'm coming after their firstborn and then they're going to know that I am God. So what's super powerful about this is that they they were given instructions, but they were fully aware of what was going to happen. So when Passover happens that night, that is the beginning of the blood on the doorpost. Okay. After that evening, so that evening it starts. After 24 hours, that next evening, that after that evening, he basically tells them in the morning or the next day, starting of the new day, which I believe is in the evening of the next day, he says you're going to leave. So they had one day to prepare themselves. To, be, to, to leave this place. Now, you have to remember that at this point, the Egyptians didn't have any problem letting them go because the cries through the night they had heard, all the firstborn are gone, livestock is gone. If there wasn't blood on the doorposts, it happened. This is the 10th yeah. plague. They, they have now had enough. I don't know who you are, you Hebrews. Yeah. I don't know what God you serve, yeah. but he is meaning business. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah. Not only get out of here, take mm -hmm. our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We'll help you yeah. take whatever we have left and please go. Yeah. There's just some powerful things in that. Mm -hmm. That next day is basically day one. Mm -hmm. So the counting of the Omer essentially starts right after Passover. I'm just going to do this as simplistic as possible. Okay. The counting of the Omer, that means day one. Right? So you're in the house, you have instructions, your firstborn is spared, and it's time to go. When it's time to go, that's day one of your journey. That's why we count the Omer. Day one mm -hmm. is the very next day. Okay? That would be the day that they left. Yes. Right? So that evening. Yep. Today is going to be day one. Yes, because there is like an eve of Pesach where they prepare. And that that essentially is where I believe he was doing what he was doing with the disciples. I don't necessarily believe that he was doing a, an actual Seder or a Passover with his disciples because then he wouldn't be the Passover. He wouldn't be the lamb. So I believe that he was with his disciples in the, the, the Seder, a prep, because there are two nights of doing a Seder. So there was this eve or this prep of Seder, and then it was the next day that he was essentially that night, then he would be, so Wednesday night would be the night that he would be crucified. So if you guys understand, in the, the next day, at, when he was on the cross, it, they could not, they had to put him in the grave prior to sundown. So the next day they took him off took him off the cross and put him put him in the grave. The reason why I say that is because it gets confusing when we're trying to line up Yeshua's time and with the Israelites' time because it it wasn't we've we've all grown up with Friday to Sunday, which is like a day and a half. You know, but it took three days and what does that mean? And how does and where does a day start and what's day one? And so I just want to make this as simple as possible, uh, because when it gets into calendars it gets confusing. But basically Passover night is also the night that Yeshua was crucified, okay? That next day, the Israelites left, all right? The next day, Yeshua goes down to the grave. Now, remember, your journey, their journey, as they left, what ended up happening when they got oh so far? Pharaoh then 
changes his mind and says, yeah. I'm coming after you. Okay. So Pharaoh is coming after them. Now they are completely butted up against an entire, we were describing to the kids, think of it like you're in Malibu. You're, you go to California, you're at the edge, the ocean's in front of you and something's behind you and you have no, you don't know, you have nowhere to go. And you're thinking we're done for. Not only would they think that they're done for, their God just like just demolished their land. And now they're coming after them after they had said you can go. They've got all their stuff. So this is where the parting of the Red Sea happens. I've taught on this before. I don't know why, but I thought the Red Sea was flat. Like I envision he puts the staff down, the land is flat, and the water rises. I, I don't know why. And they walked along on dry ground. That's the picture that I've always had. Yeah. But the reality is if you look up where they crossed, in his, not in history, but even now, how deep that water went. They, yeah. This walk was not, this was like going down the Grand Canyon. So there was a journey when the water split. It wasn't just, oh, the water split. They had to journey down. Yeah. To go across, they had to go down. It is a picture of Yeshua and what he did after he died. Right? Passover's happened. Next day, he goes down. Mm-hmm. We're he walking. Descends. He descends. We are walking that journey right now with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Is that that Feast of Unleavened Bread pairs with his grave story? Okay? Because... So, so Passover, the blood on the doorposts, cr- arcs with Yeshua's crucifixion, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because they had to get out of there, don't eat anything that puffs you up, that same feast arcs with his dissension. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Dissension. And timeline-wise, the Israelites, after they left, had to go down. So he, so we go down, he's going, he goes down, right? It arcs. When they come up on the other side and they step foot on dry ground after they're completely crossed over, that is the beginning of the Feast of First Fruits. That feast arcs with his resurrection when he comes up. So you said it took three days for them to cross that whole entire... Four. <clears throat> Four and a half, because remember, nights are... When you look at it, it's kind of odd. It's like three full of our days, but it ends up being more with the Hebraic calendar. First fruits is the beginning after they cross over. Now, what's interesting, though, is that you'll learn that's in Exodus. You start reading in Leviticus, that's where he starts telling them, can you guys honor first fruits? So it's not like first fruits was necessarily a thing. The tambourine and their worshiping was the beginning of first fruits, but we read about it later in Leviticus, what that means when they brought their their first. And again, you read in Corinthians, what was Yeshua? He is the first fruit of all of those that are asleep. He is our first fruit. So there's a powerful arcing when we honor the feast of first fruits as well, because we are honoring his uh, resurrection. Okay. Now, that's his resurrection. When he rose, did he go to heaven? No. No. He rose and walked the earth. Yeah. Okay. How many days do you think it was that he walked the hmm. earth? 40, 40, 40. 40 days. But before Ruach fell, there was a 10-day waiting period. So the same journey that Yeshua comes to walk on the earth to show himself to to the disciples is the same journey you're on on day number one for the next 40 days you get to have visitations with a alive dead person on this earth (laughs) (laughs) that's why it's so powerful when he says go to Jerusalem and wait there is a it is it so the so the counting of the Omer completely arcs with the waiting period before Ruach falls, which is the same waiting period that the Israelites had as they walked through the wilderness to get to Mount Sinai. And the same Mount Sinai is the same Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Okay? So everything arcs. 
Is that all making sense? Yeah. Yeah. And why we would count the Omer. Not to mention that he says in the Torah, you shall count every day. Yeah. Yeah. He tells you to do that. But then he brings meaning to it. That's why we were honing in on the night season. He didn't come to do away with this. He came to fulfill it. Does that make sense? He came to fulfill it. It doesn't mean, so it doesn't mean anything. It means he came to fulfill what they already knew. He came to bring meaning to it because it mattered. Not so that you don't have to make it matter. He's just saying, I came to fulfill it. Does that make sense when I say fulfill now in that way that he uh, that he um, he came to accomplish another word would be accomplish I accomplished this so that you can too yeah. because he did not do away with the command that his father said forever for all the generations you will count okay so in the end for our family the feast of unleavened bread in the Torah says you're going to honor it for seven days Okay, so we know that once Passover starts, you've got seven days of unleavened bread. Let's just say this. Regardless of the calendar year, within that week, you're going to honor the counting of the Omer and the and first fruits. Does that make sense? So you're always going to have Passover. You're always going to have the start of unleavened bread. You're always going to have the first of your Omer, and you're always going to have first fruits within that week. The reason why I'm saying that is because calendars get super wonky. So this year, for example... He died on Wednesday, and we're celebrating first fruits today. But some are celebrating first fruits on Sunday. And the reason for that is because the Torah says don't count the Omer until after the high Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. So they won't count until after. Here's why I believe they do this. I have no idea if this is accurate, so this is just my take on it. I, I know that the week he actually did die, the week in whatever it was, year three, three A.D., I think it was three A.D., 33 A.D., anyways. The year that he actually died, I do believe he did die on a Wednesday and he rose on a Sunday, if that makes sense. So when when they're saying to count, the reason why they'll wait, they'll wait till after Sabbath is because Sabbath means something. Why? Because he rose on Sabbath. The women didn't find him till the next morning. But he rose on Sabbath. But the women went out to find him that next morning. But remember, that next morning is the day that he rose. Yeah. So I, I, that's my take on it, that a lot of things, whenever the yearly calendar kind of rolls out and things are kind of wonky, like why would we have first fruits right now? And I think last year we had first fruits at the end of the week. I don't know, and I don't necessarily know how to explain it. A lot of it has to do with the new moon stuff. It has to do with different days. But just know that once Passover is launched, within that week, you're going to have unleavened bread and you're going to have first fruits. And within that timeline is the exact same timeline that that Yeshua died and rose. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense why sometimes they would count it after Sabbath? which would be on Sunday. That's why that is where resurrection Sunday comes because he did rise on, on Sabbath. And so that first day of the week and it all lines up with tabernacles and when he's coming back and all that kind of stuff and the day of rest, it all matters. But sometimes the calendar just gets a little bit interesting every single week. And sometimes that's hard to explain. Does that all, does that all make sense? But everything arcs. So for our family, the counting of the Omer starts today. Because it's first fruits, and the reason why is because Shavuot, 50 days later, is also going to be on a Friday. Mm-hmm. So the way that that kind of just lines up is, but you'll see if you're researching it, you'll see different groups, the different people kind of have different calendars. Some people are super traditional and actually wait for the new moon sighting, and they don't go off of a pre-calendar. And we're just we're just starting off. <laughs> so within the week, we celebrate. <laughs> Three, we, we celebrate three spring feasts and just know that there is reality to this. It's not just Good Friday and Sunday. It's not just resurrection and it's not just, you know, that there was a calendar at that time. Going back to what Padrino said, his calendar matters. He said to honor it. And so that is what we're doing when we don't just do Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, but we do Passover on Wednesday because that is when he did um, go through that process of um, getting uh, his trial and his crucifixion and all of that. And then, of course, then going down. So when you're able to relate to the Israelite story, for us, know that now you are we are on day one of our journey. 
So if the beginning of your journey feels like a descend, you're in good hands. <laughs> so we get, we get to we get to walk out that journey because the Israelites get to arc they got to arc with Yeshua, even though right because he's outside of time. Not to mention did they not did they not only arc with Yeshua? That is the first time Yeshua's name is brought up in Scripture. When he said, look, your salvation is near. It says, look, your Yeshua is near. It's the first time his name is written in the Hebrew at that time is why is his name written? Why was salvation talked about while they were descending? Yeah. And saying, look to where you're going. Yeah. There's, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just so good. So, yes. He said that. They yeah, like as they were going over the, I'd have to find the scripture, but as they were going through the Red Sea, he, uh, Moshe says, look, your salvation is is near. And he says, to, and he's pointing and he says that your salvation is near. And it's the word, obviously, Yeshua, because that Yeshua means salvation. Does anybody have any other, have, have any questions about that? As simple or as complex of questions? <laughs> I think we did. The feast one. You've already done it. Yeah, the feast. Right? Haven't you done the feast and the, the arches? All the eight feasts and how they connect. Go ahead, Katie. So my question was, I wrote it down. When he came after the firstborn, like, did he come after the firstborn in the whole world? Or, like, just every, like, just where the... Where they were enslaved. From what I know, it was just Egypt. What? Oh, Exodus 14. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see that Yeshua of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only, and you only to be silent. Well, and mom, I understand why I think people just want to celebrate on Sunday and Friday because it's easy, mm-hmm. and they don't want to. They don't want to delve into all of this. Sure, I'm sure. Exactly. Def- definitely simple, and mm-hmm. and I think that I mean, like I said, I want to. My birthday doesn't always land on Tuesday. So I want to follow whenever that day is. So the 14th of Nissan is when it happens. I don't know what day the 14th of Nissan is going to fall. At the end of the day, though, there are there are aspects that you can honor whatever day of the week it was back then, right? I can find out what day I was born on. Does that make sense? So my birthday this year might be on Saturday, but maybe the week I was born, it was on Tuesday. And that's where some calendars do line up and they just stay every year based on the week. But because we're honoring the Hebrew calendar, that's where it gets a little confusing because now I want it to adjust based on the Hebrew calendar because I know the 14th of Nisan is the 14th of Nisan. And I'm not able to deny the 14th of Nisan. I don't want to celebrate something on the 18th of Nisan just because it was the right day of the week. Does that make sense? But that's where you'll see some confusion. So for our family, we're going to follow the Hebrew calendar, but at the end of the day, However they plug in first fruits and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be within the week of unleavened bread, and we're just going to have to roll with it. But do know that the story of the Israelites' escape, walking, dissension, and going past the Red Sea is the same timeline as Yeshua dying, going down, and rising. And then also their walk to Mount Sinai is very intentional because... Yeshua came back, walked 40 days, and it was on the 50th day that Mount Sinai happened again. So, go ahead. Um, so, I don't think he did this right. But he died on, like, a Wednesday, and then he rose on, the women found him on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. But he, like, actually rose on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Sabbath, he essentially, like, rose in the sense that he was alive. <laughs> and then and walked out and then when they went to go find him he wasn't in there in the morning 
And the reason why is because they couldn't they couldn't be out on Sabbath. So we know that they didn't find him on Sabbath. Did you have a question, Richard? Or did you raise your hand? Uh, I got an answer. So for the firstborn, when um, when the angel of death took all the firstborn, was it? I don't remember reading. If, is it the firstborn son? Because later on in Exodus, like 30 or something like that, 34, he talks about how the firstborn males are all mine. So did he take the firstborn males, or was it the firstborn, like whether it was male or female? Mm. I, I'm under under I'm under the understanding that it's male. Pretty sure it's all males. Okay. Male firstborn. Okay. Yeah. And livestock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all. Okay. Um. I'm trying to think that there was another question. Does anybody else have any questions about all that? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so when they like went down, so when after they did that, that was like four days, four and a half days. So when they like were rising, were they allowed to eat bread in that area? Nope, not until after they basically got all the way out of it. Yeah. Then the, essentially, then the feast of unleavened bread would be over, and then that's that's where the then essentially the journey starts of them you know but i don't necessarily know when that lifted in exodus to be honest because manna was there like i, I they didn't all of a sudden start baking bread either so all we know is is that it could have been 40 years of them living on unleavened bread i don't necessarily know that because we don't know when it ended but what we do know is that he says i want you to honor this for seven days so it doesn't necessarily mean that they only did seven days but we only have to do it for seven days to honor what they went through if that makes sense all right, so one one of the things that I wanted to um, talk about as we get into this is I wanted us to understand something as we're as we're walking through this, right? This is our night one. This is the first night of our of our journey. So we have essentially left slavery, right? We just enjoyed the, the cup of sanctification. We know that he has taken us out of one burden and put us in something. Yeah. Welcome to day one. Okay. What I want us to understand, which is what we're going to be actually engaging in a little bit, in a little bit, is that there is a difference between political freedom and spiritual freedom. That's good. Okay? At this point, they have political freedom. And that's it. That's really good. They have political freedom from being out from one king and under another. So they have political freedom. But the difference between that and spiritual freedom is your 50-day walk right now. Mm -hmm. You can have political freedom or you can have deliverance or you can have being taken out from something immediate. But the walking out process is dealing with your mindset and mm -hmm. dealing with what you, what you were in before and walking that out. That is our process right now. And I really feel like he, he wanted to highlight that. The different, political freedom is instant. Spiritual freedom is a journey. And the walking out is just as important as Passover. Yep. Okay, so there's, what was it for? Passover is an amazing miracle. Our sons were spared. Now for what? Yep. So he takes me out of something. Yep. I'm going to have to deal with the PTSD. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. to deal with what I was under. I have to deal with the generations. I have to deal with what is happening. I have to deal with trusting a Moshe. Yes. When I had a really good pharaoh, right. Moshe's nuts. <laughs> he's nuts. I mean, I think he's nuts compared to a legitimate system. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> they had a legitimate system. They were wealthy. They had livestock. They had thing. They had a job. It's job security. It's established, right? <laughs> It's what my parents did. It's what we yeah. know. And then you've got this stuttering Moshe <laughs> that's putting staffs in the ground. And we're like following like foot by foot because of some miracles. But you always question, is there going to be another one? Yeah. <laughs> Was that real? How many of us have all had some kind of crazy miracle in our life coming out of the system? But then all of a sudden you question, is there going to be another one? Right? I mean, I don't know. Moshe is crazy. <laughs> so political freedom is instant spiritual freedom is going to take some time 
And I don't mean like take some time, like, you know, forever, but it's a process. And that's why we're counting out 50 days. So there's a couple of practical things that we're going to do as a family. I've done this before, but if you do have your phones, there is an app. You guys probably already have it. If you don't, it's called, um, excuse me. Thank you. It is uh, called um, Counting the Omer. Where did my app go? It's an app. There it is. Sorry, it's called the Omer Counter. It looks like it's got orange on the top. It looks like a calendar flip thing and a wheat with a check mark. Yeah. I, you guys are not going to be able to see that. Tell me if you guys have any questions. Go ahead. You can change the language when you go into settings. <laughs> you can change it in the settings to go to English. Mine popped up for me, and it and it let me do it without. Yep, that first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This app is going to be super. Um, this app has so many things. Uh, number one, it has the counting. So you never know what not, you never, you always know what day you're on. Okay. So every day it has a devotional. Every day it has a prayer. You can read, you can listen to the prayer in Hebrew. So every day there is a prayer of how to say, and I count this as day one. You say, I count this as day two. Tonight is day three. Tonight is day four. When you get to week, you say, this is the first week and this is the first week and one day. This is the first week and second day, or you could say nine days or whatever. So either it, it goes through the counting, it has a devotional, it has a prayer, it has all of that in there. You can listen to the Hebrew words. I really highly recommend that we are also in a walking process towards worship. So listen to the prayer, listen to this, the, the words, listen to the sounds. Like they're, they're, Anyways, it's just going to be awesome. So there's that. And then you guys also have the link that was sent out before. We could probably get it to you guys somehow if you don't have it to where you can actually have the calendar in your settings on your phone. So my calendar has both the Gregorian and the Hebrew calendar. So you can have it on your actual calendar too. So my on my Apple um, calendar on the top, it says first day of the Omer. So if you just use your regular calendar, you can also see which day you're on if you have that in your calendar too. So we've got some of those resources. We also have this print out. Uh, we have enough uh, for one per family. All right. As this is getting passed out, I want to just, uh, I want to explain a couple of things. Um, you are not going to find this counting in the Torah. You're not going to find a Seder meal in the Torah either. So there are things that have been given to us as traditions that you can choose to do or not do as a prophetic act to engage in these things. Everything has meaning. He just talked about how everything has purpose. So what I mean by that is, is it does say to count, but that's all it says to do. This is why it's so powerful. Well, the law is so hard. No, it's all the extra stuff. He says just count. If all you can do is just count and recognize you're on a spiritual journey and that you understand political freedom, but you are on a journey of that mindset being shed, then just count that out. What this is, is um, a way to go deeper because as you count out the days, it's an opportunity for you to be able to engage in some things intentionally so you're not just counting days. It's not like, well, this is just day one, this is day two. But what about day one? What is day one? What am I focusing on in day one? What if somebody was here to help me if I'm going on a spiritual journey to break my mindset? How do I do that? Start with loving kindness. Oh, that's a good idea. On my own, day one, I wouldn't know what that I wouldn't know how to do that. So this is a tool. It is not mandatory, but it is a tool if you want to walk through the process of how to break off some mindsets, okay? So we don't necessarily need to get into all this. We've got seven weeks to go through this. But every week you can see it's color coded and down at the bottom, that is the week that you're focusing on. So let me just take you guys through first week because tonight is the 16th of Nisan. It is the first day. We are in the day of Hesed. 
This is the week of Hesed. If you look down at the bottom, the week of Hesed means loving kindness. That means this entire week, we're going to focus on loving kindness. But think about the scripture I just read. We were once foolish, deluded, hateful. There is a process of us engaging with the things that he's given us to practice. Well, then how do I get out of hate? How do I get out of conspiracy? How do I get out of addiction? How do I get out of this? Right there. There's this there's this process. So this entire week is talking about loving kindness. So this is where it gets fun because last year we just did loving kindness. This year we want to overlap all of them all at once. It's going to be good. I'll explain. It's going to be good. So instead of spending an entire week on loving kindness, you're going to spend the first day, which is tonight and all day tomorrow, on loving kindness, and that's it. And we're going to be together. So we have lots of opportunities tomorrow. Okay, so let me just go over this. So the next day is, um, or the next week, I should say, the focus is going to be Geberwa. I'm probably saying that wrong. And that means strength and boundaries. So the entire second week, you're going to be focusing on strength and boundaries. Look up the Hebrew word. There's a lot more than just strength and boundaries, just like there's a lot more than loving kindness. Okay, there's a whole psalm on loving kindness and what that actually means. But this is your opportunity to study, to get into these words, okay? So the second week is Geberah, all right? But here's what we're going to do. Day one, loving kindness. Day two, you're going to do loving kindness in Geberah. So what does loving kindness look like in strength? What? How do we overlap? What does loving kindness look like in boundaries? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good right there. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna have a good week. (laughs) So so let me just go through the first week. So then the third week is Tipperet. Tipperet has to do with balance and harmony. So instead instead of spending the whole third week on just balance and harmony harmony. We're going to focus on loving kindness in these things. So loving kindness is going to be your main focus in harmony. Now, what does loving kindness look like in balance? What does loving kindness look like in netzach, which is endurance? Mm-hmm. By the time you get to day four, you're going to be like, I'm going to need some of that endurance. <laughs> so it's going to give us, it's going to give us some, does that make sense? So instead of a whole week on loving kindness and trying to figure it out, we're going to focus on loving kindness in each of those. So then when the second week rolls around, which you can see in orange, the main focus is going to be boundaries. So that whole week, your main topic is boundaries, but boundaries in loving kindness. It's different. Loving kindness in boundaries Versus boundaries and loving kindness can mean two different things. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. No. <laughs> let me think if I let me see if I can do a different one. You want loving kindness to be happening the whole fifty days? Just the first week. Okay, but I thought you were saying overlap it with the second week. Yes. So when the second week, then the first day is loving kindness. So first week, day one is always loving kindness. So when you move to the second week and you're in uh, Gibberah, the whole week, boundaries is your title, but the first day is loving kindness. Second day is Gibberah. So it's boundaries within boundaries. Are we just starting now or are we behind? No, tonight. It's now. Day one. Abba has us missing day one. Yeah, we're missing day one. Mine said it started tonight. Yeah. According to that calendar, is it saying the seventh? Isn't the seventh today? Yeah. No, that's the sec- 22nd of Nisan. Is this not saying it right? No, today is the 16th of Nisan, so day one. Day one. So don't look at the big bold numbers. You're like a week ahead. Go to number one. Oh, so those are just the days. It's not exactly the morning. Yeah, day one. Oh, yeah, so the 50th day is Shavuot, which is going to be May 26th. Does that make sense about the overlap? So the order is always the same. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, right? Day seven. And then week one, week two, week two, and then so and then they overlap. Got it? 
Okay. So the third week, you're going to go to yellow. The third week, your main topic is going to be harmony and balance. But the first day is hesed. So it's harmony. So yellow is is your topic. And then the first day is, is always hesed. So it's going to be your um, balance within loving kindness. Balance within boundaries. Balance within uh, endurance. Balance within humility. Balance within um, foundation. Balance within... Uh, the kingdom. So the color is your topic, is your bowl, is your main week, and then every day is a different focus. Okay. Okay. However you want to do it. If it's too confusing, just work on loving kindness for seven days. Yeah, just work on loving kindness for seven days. You got seven days to figure it out. There's a whole song on it. So I would encourage you, I would encourage you to look up the definitions, but also look up the Hebrew word, because this is a very simple definition. Loving kindness is a simple definition to what that Hebrew word is. Look up the Hebrew word, engage with it, however you need to be. And again, remember the foundation. This is when the Israelites were walking towards what is coming. Yeah. We are walking towards something that is coming at Shavuot that is super exciting. Can I just say one thing that is going to be exciting? Somebody, Jalen, reminded us that at the end of the night season, dad was going to release who we are. Yeah. So up until this point, we've been tearing. <laughs> up until this point, we have been tearing down what we are not. But it's time for us to find out who we are and what we felt in the spirit that on Shavuot, like we were commissioned last year to be a, in a bar, people, a crossed over people are ready to be able to receive who we are at Shavuot. So we have got a journey to get to who we are. So just like the Israelites received the instructions, just like the Israelites received the Torah, just like uh, the disciples received Ruach, just like they waited and they received, we also will get to receive something at Shavuot. So, so be excited about that. Which makes sense now with the first cut because he's starting a process of restoring the identity which would naturally end up at Shavuot. Yeah. Okay, so we have one. Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. I'm personally really hot. <laughs> um, we have one last thing that we want to do uh, tonight, uh, which I'm super excited about. But I, last year, if you guys remember, before Pesach, we engaged in part of the Seder. Now, remember what I just said about the Seder. There are some spiritual prophetic things, and then there are some things that the Torah does say. The Torah says that on Passover, you will eat lamb with bitter herbs and matzah. So at the end of the day, you eat lamb on Wednesday night, and you have bitter herbs, and you have matzah. The Seder plate begins to incorporate some things for the purpose of telling a story. The best way to explain it would be a sa- uh, the word Seder. Do you guys know what that means? Order. order. The Seder just means order. So what is happening is families are putting their homes in order by taking them through a systematic storyline to remember their ancestors so that nothing is missed. Mm-hmm. So again, this is in addition to, it's not, it's, it's a tradition. It's something that you can engage in or not. But last year we engaged specifically with the scriptures, which was bitter herbs and the matzah. You yeah. guys remember the kale yeah. and the horseradish because yeah. Yahweh really was focusing on our bitterness yeah. and the harshness of the slavery that yeah. we were in. That's what he was focusing on. This year, I believe he's focusing on something completely different. And if you guys saw out there, we are going to be engaging with the egg tonight. So I want to release a little bit about the egg, and then we're going to go in there, and then we're actually going to do some things with the egg. So, um, again, this is not this is not in the Torah. It's not a part of the Seder in the sense of what the Torah says, but there is significant meaning if you ever see an egg on the on the Passover plate. So a couple things I'm going to just um, say here, and then we will go back into the, we'll go into the kitchen. Somebody will get Amber and Jason, and all the kids will come up, and then we'll do it together. Um, but there are about 
seven uh, qualities that I want to talk about with the eight, which I kind of find significant. Yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting. Okay. So um, the first thing is, is when you look at the egg, it cannot stand up without help. Okay. There's something about the egg. It cannot stand up without help. Just like the Israelites could not have done it without his help. Just like I cannot do this without his help. I cannot stand up alone. I cannot do it on my own. Okay. There's something else that's significant about the egg. Most things, when you cook them, get softer. When you cook an egg, it gets harder. And the representation of that is as the... All right. So just like dad led us into the cup, when we engage with this egg, it is not for the tradition of... You know, it's not just to do it because we're doing it, but why? And to remember that as you partake in this, that there is an aspect that as the as the pressure comes, I'm going to get stronger. Okay. Yeah. Um, the third thing is is that it the egg is smooth, and there's no opening. There's no hole. There's no opening. It's completely smooth and it's completely enclosed. The significance of that is that this is our way of being able to engage that the enemy's mouth is shut. So this is when we get to, and now remember, they were engaging in this, not necessarily the egg, but they were engaging in a Seder meal or Passover, just like Yeshua also did, that there are symbolisms to the things that we get to engage in, and what does that mean? And there's something about partaking. Now, all seven of these qualities may hit you at once as you partake, or there might be one that's like, I want that. And if it's like what he just talked about, that sanctification coming out of one burden and coming, you know, coming out of one thing. If you need to declare over yourself, this is the representation that the enemy's mouth is completely shut in my life. That's what we get to partake in tonight. Okay. Another one is this is super interesting. But part of the reason why uh, this tradition started was because Egyptians were not allowed to eat eggs or meat. So in order to distance themselves from paganism, they chose to engage in the egg. Isn't that kind of an interesting twist of events with the paganism now and the eggs that we see and where that's come? But the origin, the original aspect of engaging in the egg was to distance themselves from paganism because where they came from, they were not allowed to eat those. So they chose to eat them almost as a point of rebellion. We will eat differently than you. Okay. Uh, next thing was it represents a circle, obviously, the cycle of life. There is no beginning and there is no end. Um, this one is... This one is super significant that I want us to understand when we're looking at the counting of the Elmer. I want you to envision yourself as an unhatched egg. Okay? You are an unhatched egg, and you are fully born at Mount Sinai. Now, I want us to understand even what we've learned in Christianity. There's salvation, and then there's being filled. There's a difference. Just like political freedom and spiritual freedom. You are an unhatched egg. You are at the beginning of life. And this process is going to take you to a place of being able to be fully born. Does that make, does that, does that make sense? What I, what I want to say is that it's not, it's, this is just the beginning. The point is, is when you engage in a Seder, it's just the beginning. Just like the first cup of sanctification, it's just the beginning. And it's already good. But it's 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 the beginning, and to, and to recognize that. Did you say more? Did you say uh, the difference between being filled and what? Salvation and being filled. Salvation. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you are tonight, if you're feeling like, Okay, I, I get this. I understand in my mind 
but this is just the beginning and I want spiritual freedom. I want my mindset. I want my heart to be opened up. I want, I want yeah. the Torah on the inside. I want Ruach yeah. to fall. I want to be able to supernaturally get this or whatever that is. Then that's what you're going to be engaging tonight is that you are an unhatched egg. You're beginning this process of becoming fully exposed. Open. Okay. Um, what? Yes. If you are writing them down. Uh, the other thing is, again, this kind of goes with it, is that it, it is a um, it it is a symbol of the beginning of life and renewal. And there is something about engaging with this uh, as the new year turns and as we enter into spring and that whole season, um, that this is just the beginning of renewal. All right, last one. This is what I really felt like was going to happen for our family. And let's wait for that one. So why don't we go ahead and let Amber and Jason know and then to come up here, we'll all go in there, we'll grab our eggs, and then we'll engage it together with this last quality. Okay. All right. Uh, this actually was something that I was planning on talking about tonight, uh, but Larie sent me something, so I felt like it was just confirmation to to say it again. Um, but they, what she had sent me was this guy that was talking about how Lazarus, have you, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. It's been going around, but science has been proving that Lazarus, once he rose, if they had not unbound him, he would have died from suffocation. So science was just showing that he, he, he rose from the dead, but had they not unbound him, he would have actually died because of the suffocation. So this the the sim, the symbolism from that that I wanted to talk about because I always think that this is so powerful. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Lazarus uh, rose on the fourth day because it was normal on the third day for people to raise from the dead. That wasn't abnormal to see people being raised from the dead on the third day, which is why there's some things about Yeshua with the Hebrew calendar and all of that. But Lazarus died on the or rose on the fourth day to show that he it was a true miracle. So. But there's something about that suffocation because how many of us have risen from the dead, yeah. but because we are still bound yeah. to the things that we don't want to take off, we end up suffocating yeah. and dying again. So what I saw with the eggs for our family, one of the other qualities that we can uh, engage with, with these eggs is what I saw was um, kind of going back to that political freedom versus spiritual freedom and thinking about Lazarus right he was he had risen from the dead right that is a political it's instant not necessarily political but you know what I mean but the yeah. the binding around him that physical freedom was instant but that binding that was around him could have suffocated him back to death and so it's our job to stay unbound he can do a miracle and say you're alive but if we choose to stay bound up, we're going to suffocate and not take the gift that he gave us of being alive. So what I saw with this is that there is um, a process that we're going to go through tonight. And what I saw was that this hard outer shell is our mindset. And there is a there's an aspect of what's on the inside. Okay, what's on the inside? Everything I just talked about, what's on the inside is strong. It's been pressurized, but this does me no good for nutrition unless something comes off. There's this amazing nutrition on the inside of this egg that has gone through pressure, that is fully cooked, that is fully ready to go. But while this hardness is wrapped around this being, it doesn't serve any, it doesn't serve any purpose. And so what I saw us tonight is being able to engage in eating of this egg is actually taking, going through the process of taking off that hard outer shell. And what he's saying to us is that this is our mindset. This hard outer, outer shell is our mindset. So you can be instantly delivered. We just got sanctified. You can be out from one burden and, and, and right into a journey. But the process of walking out that journey is dealing with the hard mindset of what slavery put us under. It's an instantaneous deliverance. It's an instantaneous, I will pull you out 
Yeah. And the moment they're out, they got to deal with their mindset. Right. They got to deal with fear. They got to deal with crossing over. They got to deal with going through. They got to deal with follow through. They got to deal with, we don't know what's next. We got to do, right? So there's this mindset that we have where we can be in, we can praise Yahweh. He has sanctified us. But this mindset of mine. It's going to take some time to work this this hard, potentially bitter, strong covering. Just like the enemy's mouth can be shut. Some of you powerful family members, your mouths are shut. And they're not supposed to be shut. Because there's this hard mentality that slavery has put us in bondage to. That, that is going to take some time. Like instantaneously, the inside is fully alive. It's fully ready. Yeah. But it's going to take some time to get what Egypt or what slavery or what our burdens or the, whatever your burdens are, whether it be addiction, it could be a taskmaster, it could be a worldly system. Once he says to leave a system, that's just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Once you leave the system, you got to deal with the the aftermath of what that system did to your mindset and how to live a life outside of a taskmaster. How do I live outside of a school system? How do I live outside of a money system? How do I live outside of a system that that's all? If that's all I, I'm just saying, whatever our burden is, whatever the system is, there's something that has happened that has made us hard. So this week, as we walk into loving kindness. The only way to engage in loving kindness is to probably start taking out, taking off the hard, bitter, I don't even know what it would taste like, but just the hard shell that is covering us up needs to start coming off. Amen? Amen. So as we do this tonight, what we're doing is we're going, yes, Dwayne? I just had a question on, you said Lazarus was suffocated. I know we're going all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> I heard everything else. I'm just saying, is the burial process they had at the time that, was he mummified? What was the deal? What would, why would he have suffocated? Well, they were supposed to bury them that bury him that way. But when, when he rose, they had to take it off. What was it, though, that they had to take off? Oh, the, I think the, the, the wrappings, the gauze. So the, they wrapped them. Yes. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. what I was trying to figure out. would have suffocated them. Like, yeah, they were wrapped up. Yeah. Okay. And, it wasn't like a mummy, it wasn't a mummy, but it was wrapped in that's yeah. What is the? I'm drawing a blank. What's the shroud the shroud of Turin? Turin. I know what that is, but I thought it was specific. It's the same thing. So when they put him in the tomb, they had a cleansing process for all bodies, and they wrapped him up, and that's why. Oh, <laughs> that's why it's so powerful because at the end of a feast, I know I've talked about this before, but when you push your chair back and you take your napkin and you fold it and you put it on the plate, it means something because it says I'm finished. So a lot of people, when you're engaging with food, you keep your food out because we, you know, you're supposed to be doing, but when you fold your napkin and you put it on the plate and you do that, it's saying to the family, I'm done with my food. But the purpose for that is because Yeshua did the same thing. That's why they found it folded and nice because he was saying it is finished. So there's so much, there's so much in that. But yes, so Lazarus was completely bound up and that was a normal thing, but they had to take that off um, or else he would have suffocated. Yeah. So Yeshua had the same burial yes. clothes on. Yes. That's what was folded. Yes. And it he always took that just off like this blanket over that's not what it was. Wait, oh how did gosh. he get out? That's crazy. Was, uh, was in a tomb. How did he get unwrapped? Because when they well, he just unwrapped himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or yeah, angels. Yeah, the angels are there. Yeah. Well, and I mean the same thing. How did the um how did the soldiers like not know what was going on? I mean the rock had rolled away, and there's so many miracles that had happened. That's why they were accusing them of something had happened. That somebody must have rolled the rock and taken his body out because yes, it was not possible. So tonight. Eat of it if you want, however this looks for you. But the main thing is taking your cup and being able to take off that hard shell and engaging in that process that we're beginning a journey of taking off the hardness that has happened to our mindsets of what Egypt has done. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. One more thing and then we're going to close real quick. One more, one more thing. 
I just I forgot I was gonna release on the name. So when you see this is a Seder plate, and um, all of the Seder plate is ingested. I know we just engaged in the eggs and of course how said this is by the spirit. But there are two things on the Seder plate that I wanted to make sure that I was super clear on. You guys have heard of a um you said a name on the dock? Is that my right? So it is it is a book that you can use to walk yourself through a traditional Seder. It has all the definitions, it has the first cup, all the way to the fourth cup, what blessing, when to eat what. It even tells the kids what questions to ask if your kids aren't crazy and ask a bunch of questions. So it takes you through all of that. But there's this really powerful thing on the Seder. There's the shank bone and there's the egg, and it is never talked about in this book. It's just on the plate and never mentioned. Why? So what I wanted to just say was uh, the reason why I felt like we were supposed to engage in the egg is because our family, we may not know why, but we are supposed to engage in the things that you present to us. We have full access, number one. The name of the egg is Beya. Okay? Beya, that word, basically means please or I want. Is the bottom so the two secret things, which is the shank bone and the egg, the shank bone means with an outstretched arm. It also is to remind you that the lamb is roasting it so that you're always looking at what you're ingesting. Don't forget that when you eat lamb, how powerful is it that not only did he sanctify you, you get to ingest him. There's something about eating. He wants you. He wants to be. I stand at the door and knock. Let me come in and dine with you, sup with you, be with you, right? So, so anyway, the shank bone and the egg are these two aspects to the Seder that are these silent memories that are constantly on the table to remind you that with an outstretched arm, I want you or please deliver us. Please sanctify us. Please redeem us. It's a cry, the egg or whatever, that word is a cry out for him to show up. And so there's something in that when you when you mark it with all those qualities we went through with renewal and life and the hard shell and all that it means. But I hope that this Passover, that it meant something to kind of go through that process as we go through this. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.